Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, Olivia. Hi, Ione. And hello to the listeners, especially hello to Jane underscore M, who left us a lovely review, which we will read out in a minute. But for now, welcome to the Polyester Podcast. I'm Ione, and I'm the founder and editor-in-chief of Polyester Online and Imprint and everywhere else. And I'm Olivia, the co-host, producer and editor of the podcast. We publish weekly episodes of The Sleepover Club One Week and Obsessions The Next. This week, it's the Obsessions episode where we talk to a person we admire about something they're utterly obsessed with that has nothing to do with how they generate their income. And next week is the Sleepover Club, where Ioni and I have all those gorgeous conversations you'd usually have with your girlmates at a sleepover. So many, many exciting things happening in this episode. The first is this lovely review from Jane, which says, Five stars, adore it, standout podcast. The content is always super fascinating and taking discussions and themes to another level unpretentious human and honest and this bit's defo about you olivia and extra love the host's accents could listen <laughs> all day this bit's defo about you i thought you were talking about the humble bit i was like oh thanks I <laughs> <do."> <laughs> <laughs> no because my accent i feel like my accent's not very nice no nah, it's belter thank you um second exciting thing it's international women's day oh yeah happy hardest day of work to be a woman honestly um I suppose now is maybe a good time to mention that the skin you're in will be back on Thursday so belated celebration there and also on Monday International Women's Day tonight we are going live on Instagram at 6 30 so come and say hi yeah come say hi with um now gallery which I only is a super fan of so <laughs> yeah I am they do great exhibitions and third is our guest today so Olivia would you like to introduce our guest yeah, I was just going to be like, speaking of super fans. Yeah. Uh, so our guest today is Julia Jacqueline, who was my request to get as a guest and also my most listened to song of 2020. Wow. We're off the album. I sound like I'm on KEXP or something. <laughs> I'm crushing. Yeah, you do. Radio yeah. host. I don't know how to keep loving you by Julia Jacqueline. There you are. There's my accent again. <laughs> I love it. I really like this interview because it's different than anyone we've ever done. Because, well, well, I don't want to give any spoilers, so let's listen. Hi, Julia. Hi, Julia. Hello. How are you? Um, I'm good. Ish, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. So today we're going to be talking about reality singing competitions, right? Yeah, yes. 
correct. This is a great obsession. Do you want to kind of talk us through how this obsession began for you and what being obsessed with reality singing competition kind of entails and all of that, basically? Mm -hmm. So initially when I was asked to do this, I was struggling to figure out like what I'm obsessed with. And I started to be like, am I obsessed with anything? Like, shouldn't there be some, I wish I had like some kind of really cool niche little hobby or something that I could like wax lyrical about for a whole podcast. <laughs> but I just couldn't really think of anything, which then made me set, sent me down a weird spiral of just like, are you even in like a passionate person? Like what's going on? <laughs> um, <laughs> then I started to think about obsession in like the negative way. I think I was trying, I was thinking about it in a positive way, but I think an obsession to me is more something that is is quite negative, um, something that kind of gets you in its grip and won't let you go. Um, and I've definitely found that this year I, I'm usually, I think I'm quite like socially adept. Like I really, I, I kind of know how to read a room and like I try not to bore people and, you know, I can bend and change around like trying to cater to whoever I'm talking to. But I've found this year that there's been multiple times where I'm talking about um, like a singing competition and I can tell that the person I'm talking to doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> but I so desperately want to talk about it. But I kind of don't really have anyone in my life that I can really talk about about it and and that made me go oh okay this is obsession because it's it's kind of like negatively impacting my life and my relationships <laughs> um so and I was thinking about it it's like because it this year like I just happened to obviously have a lot of spare time mm -hmm. unexpectedly and I was also living uh, for one part of this year I was living in this place out the back of a friend's parents' house. They like rented it to me for a little while. And there was like no phone reception and no Wi-Fi, but they just had a television. And I haven't really watched like free to air TV in a long time because it's mostly garbage. Like, I mean, I don't know what it's like over where you guys are, but Australian free to air TV is garbage. Um, <laughs> so I started watching, but then I saw that they were doing like, there was like a voice season that was starting and it just kind of brought back a lot of memories and I ended up watching this whole season and, you know, every few episodes I'd be like, stop it, Julia, like this is not good for your soul, get out <laughs> of here. But I, did, I just found myself back on the couch like every episode just just really getting invested and, um, yeah, I think, I think it started honestly when reality TV shows first started like because when I first started becoming interested in singing I was around 10 years old and that was the year that like pop stars first started um yeah. Oh yeah was that Nigel Pick Me Yeah yeah it, like pop stars was what kind of apparently like spurred on uh, like the Idol series and everything, but it was like the first one, and yeah, it was just like very. It was a very impressionable time at that age when I was first starting to get into singing, and my family are not musicians, and I didn't know any musicians or songwriters or anything like that. So my kind of view of what being a oh, singer wow. was, or 
you know, what the music industry was, was kind of shaped very early on by these shows. And, yeah, like like pop stars ran for three seasons and then after it ended, then it was Australian Idol came in. And so basically these, these TV shows went from like when I was 10 to when I was 19. So it was just kind of like the most formative time of my, wow, yeah. you know, life in many ways and also my understanding of what being a musician is mm-hmm. or being a singer is, what being an artist is. So, yeah, that's kind of where it started. So in terms of, like, shaping your view of what a singer or a musician or an artist is, what did it shape in that way and what was it wrong about? Well, I guess it just... Yeah, I mean, it was wrong in every way. <laughs> it was very wrong. Um, like when it first started, it was so intoxicating. It was kind of like, you know, anyone, you can never have sung a word in your life. You could come from anywhere. And if you just showed up on the day and got in these massive lines, you know, you could have a chance at being someone and, I mean, that's the brand and that's what they're trying to sell. That's the journey. And, yeah, I mean, I think over the years it's just like the music industry has changed so dramatically and these TV shows are just like this relic from this time that has definitely passed. Like I find now when I'm watching these reality TV shows, like this last season of The Voice, I was just like this makes me so angry because this has nothing to do with the music industry and they're trying to sell this thing and everyone's like buying into it. And then some people are like, Julia, shut up. It's a reality TV show. Like people know what they're consuming. And I'm like, I don't oh, know yeah. people do what they're consuming. And I'm not sure if these artists, like I'm so confused about like the motivations of people who go on these shows, but you know, I've never like talked to anyone who's been on them really. Like, I don't know. I feel like they must have to sign some like non-disclosure or something. I'm like, where's the dirt? Surely this is like, surely there's a yeah. lot of, you know, disgruntled people up. It just must be so many stories out there, but you don't never hear them. And I'm like, what's going on? You know? No one ever really says anything about it, do they? No. That's so true, Julie. I never even thought of that. Yeah. Huh? See? <laughs> <laughs> I um I actually also can deeply relate to all of the to being obsessed with well first of all it's interesting that you see an obsession is a negative just because we do this every two weeks and I only always like I'm obsessed with this thing and it's mad and it's great but sometimes yeah it's like all consuming and a little bit like one of those things where you just keep talking about at it at a party even though you know like no one is interested whatsoever yeah this is definitely blind spot in my life where I just am like, oh, I'm really not reading the room here. (laughs) Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, at all. Um and so one thing I was wondering what you thought about how um kind of emotionally manipulative um singing competitions are if you think that like I just remember watching them and I wouldn't even be interested it'd just be on the telly like even if I wasn't following the person that season and I'd find myself like really rooting for one person in that one episode or like welling up and like kind of noticing a pattern that like every time they played Beyonce you knew that they were getting through (laughs) yeah and I think that's also this thing that's totally changed with these shows is like initially you kind of didn't need some crazy back story, you know, you just, you just needed to like have some talent (laughs) and then they kind of like, I guess as people started to become bored with that format, they changed into this thing where it's like, it had to be, everyone had to have some sort of backstory and you could just tell, you could tell that they just like kind of, probably ask the most intense questions to these people to try and be like, is there anything, anything in your past that like we could (laughs) do, you know, like I remember one girl in like the season of The Voice a few seasons ago, like her backstory was like that she had like an underbite when she was younger and like it made her (laughs) feel bad. And I just felt really sorry for her because she was like 15 years old or something, 16. She was probably like, didn't have much much to say at that time but obviously the producers were like come on like we need an angle like you know and yeah I don't know they're not they are so emotionally manipulative yeah but yeah I I've just had such a funny journey with like these shows because I mean especially as someone who came from like a non-musical background like my whole life I've been told like I should go on these shows and I still get told, like, I still have family members who say to me, like, hey, so do you think you're going to go on The Voice or something? And and I've had to really figure out ways to engage that kind of questioning because one part of me wants to just be like, no, like, do you understand what these shows are? They're manipulative. They're horrible. They lock people in, like, terrible contracts. They don't have any follow-up with these artists. They, like, build them up to be the next biggest thing in music. Yeah. And then literally the day after the show like no one remembers who they are and they just seem to like fade into obscurity I'm like no why would I ever go on a show like that but I have to be polite because it's like people are just that's a lot of what people think the music industry is so you have to kind of be like oh you know no I no I don't think so (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah I can imagine and the do you think that um because I always remember feeling like there's no credibility in 
having been on a singing competition. But then I'm also like, but it's not like the music industry is not stacked against people anyway. You know, it's not like, because everyone kind of loves this like hero's journey of like, I made it on my own. I got like scouted in a, doing an open mic night that I did every night of the week for all of my life or whatever. And so there's like, no, people kind of like turn their nose up. Is that a phrase? Yeah. I only yeah. am like, is that something people say? Yeah. People would like turn their <laughs> nose up at um, people who like became famous through singing competitions as if the music industry actually selects people through fairness. Yeah. Like, I think the music industry is an incredibly confusing thing to most people. Like, even to me, like, and I can understand, like, I have no gripes with people who go on these shows. I'm just, like, I get very frustrated with, like, these judges that are on the shows that are, like, people who are in the industry who know how it works and they kind of, like, I'm just, like, you should be held accountable for your life, you know? Like, I watched this recent season (laughs) and it's, like, all the judges are these kind of Australian – oh, there was a couple of Americans. Anyway, it's like a rotating cast of, of musicians who have had, like, lucrative careers in the music industry. And they're kind of getting up there and promoting their new stuff and, like, performing all the time. Yeah. I'm just like, sorry, is this about you guys or is this about these artists that you're supposed to be mentoring? And then, like – kind of saying to these people, like, you're going to be the next biggest thing. Like, we really think you have something different that the industry needs. And I'm like, you're lying to these people because the evidence is not there. There's been, like, seven seasons of this show. Not one of these people is a household name who's won. Like, I mean, the singles, they get written these songs that they have to, like, go out into the world and into the music industry with, which are these, like, outdated piano ballads about, like, self-love and stuff that just have no tracking Mm. on, like, Mm. current radio, you know. It's just, like, they just kind of cast out. Like, the biggest moment of their careers is, like, winning that show and then it's just, like, on to the next show and, like, there's no follow-up and... I don't know. I'm just always like, but then I'm watching it and I'm like obsessed. I'm just being like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you lying? Like, why are you saying that? Why are you building these people up who are trying to like figure out a way into this very exclusive and confusing industry by like essentially just lying to them and like building them up when there's just so many more ways you can get into this industry that are just a way more that are way more healthier for the artist and I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't care so much, but it just like really gets me going, you know. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, that we're like, oh god, yeah, it's so bad. They're so awful. They're such liars. And then Defo in pubs are like, but do you remember the audition when I don't know if you know Julia? I, I don't even know why Anita Viber spoke to you about this, but this is I like have loved reality singing competitions and Cher Lloyd in particular is like a pop star in the UK. Oh, yeah who had, like, a really good first audition. And, like, I know it moment. I remember watching it for the first time. And my dad was like, should we we watch that again? I don't don't know if it was good or bad. Like, (laughs) And I was like, yeah, let's watch it again. And then, like, Chris Malone, who's, like, he's from Liverpool, so he's a Scouser. And and then when he went on it, like, every Scouser knew him. Like, (laughs) I know him. Like, he goes to my salon or whatever. I think it's hard to explain maybe my specific rage because I think it's very Australian specific like I've definitely noticed (laughs) I've definitely noticed in England and the US like 
people seem to have maybe more respect or maybe you guys have a bigger music industry or maybe you have like more of a pop world. Like we don't really have much of like a mainstream yeah. pop um, industry here. So it's kind of like these people don't really have this place to go after these shows. Whereas I think from what I can see, like you guys in the US just have a bigger, bigger markets and more places to go in the industry once you leave these shows. Whereas in Australia, you're just kind of like, where, where are they going to go? Like our industry is so small. Mm. Well, I also think it's kind of like a thing here, whereas like over the past, because yeah, you're totally right in that these competitions are kind of like a relic whose ability to create stars finished a long time ago. Like I think probably the last person I remember winning the X Factor or The Voice was Little Mix, which was over 10 years ago now. But loads of the people who do win them then go on to do further TV work, like whether that's reality TV or presenting or become influencers. And I suppose that's a point of these shows too, is it was kind of the first time where it was like anyone could be famous. And then that fame now doesn't really have to be music specific because obviously, yeah, so much of these shows are about whether you buy into that person or that character or their story yeah. or their like charisma. So then they may not end up being musicians, but they'll go on like loose women or they'll like present the competitions on morning telly. Yeah. They then graduate to other TV, but it's like this very cyclical thing of they maybe stay in telly for like a year. Lucky if you get any longer than that. And then it kind of peters out, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's like, yeah, when I was 14, I sung in, like, the New South Wales Youth Choir and we we were the backing choir for the second season of the Australian Idol finale. Oh, my God, wow. <laughs> uh, hello. Start with that next time. <laughs> yeah. um, I think I had, like, one moment on camera, just, like, you know, did, like, a big camera sweep, but we sung the, like, winner's single with her and so that was kind of that was so exciting and it was at the Sydney Opera House so it was like huge deal yeah and I remember going and it was such an intense day for me like this day just like it is such a huge day in the life of me and how some lessons I learned because I was so excited about it but from what I remember, once I got there, I was like, oh, this doesn't look as, like, amazing. Like, the magic of TV, I can see behind it, and it's just, oh. like, not as amazing as I expected it to be. And I very, I very, um, I had this very clear image of sitting in this very fluorescent canteen room, and the winner of the competition was sitting at my table, and she was just, like, eating the same food as I was eating, and it was really, like, a horrible room, and I was sitting at this table and I was just like, why is she sitting with us? Like, why shouldn't, I don't know. I just, it, it was like the magic of the whole thing had just become like sitting in this fluorescent room with the winner and you could, you know, she's just, she was only 16. She was so young. Um, wow. Just kind of made, made up, looked quite uncomfortable. And, uh, yeah, like it just, it seemed just a bit eerie to me. There was something like spooky about it to my 14 year old self who had kind of never really been around any music stuff in that way or tv or anything um yeah and then I this is like totally unrelated but I had to catch the train home 
to the Blue Mountains um, and was kind of like physically accosted by a man on a train and like wasn't no one like stepped in to help me and I was like so young the whole day was just like quite horrible <laughs> and I feel yeah. like it, it just made me go like oh okay because for the three years before that I'd been watching pop stars I'd watched the first season of the show and I was kind of like oh maybe like I you know if I like singing maybe this is the kind of thing that you know this is maybe the only thing I could do um maybe this is my only option mm-hmm. kind of thing um and that day I was like, ooh, this doesn't seem super positive. <laughs> no, God, it sounds terrible. Yeah. It is, isn't it? It's that, like, smoke screen of, like, that you see this big glamorous thing on television and then, like, behind the scenes. The, even just that the canteen is grim is, like... And also yeah. it just must be so different actually being... An, like, that actually being your practice as an artist, like, being actually being a singer. And, yeah, on the one hand kind of like well you at the one on the one hand you kind of do end up just enjoying watching people sing and show their talent and get excited and then on the other hand you can like be cynical of it all and then on the other hand you've got family members being like so are you thinking about going on the voice yeah and then like as I say all this and I'm just like totally shit talking this whole world which I'm sure someone will have a problem with <laughs> but then I also like was so invested emotionally invested this last season season of the voice like the whole time I'm just being like this is so emotionally manipulative and like these judges are just like what are they doing they're lying to these poor people and like but then I also like towards the end like I got pretty drunk in the finale and then like I dm'd like the guy that I thought should have won I was like hey man like (laughs) I was like you should have won like you were the best and like I said like you know I, I mean I'm pretty sure the the record contracts you get locked into are like super bad, so you kind of dodged a bullet. Like you know, I just was like a bit of a drunken ramble to this guy. I don't think he's ever seen it, or if he's like seen it but not clicked on like accept. So <laughs> yeah, that was like a. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, you're one of those like crazy people just sending emotional like DMs. Or no, something. I think that's absolutely stunning. By the way, <laughs> but that's that's actually like you have become the real life of the reality TV program. Do you know what I mean? Like you've made it real in ways that it isn't, I think. Yeah. What do you mean? Well, just that it's like, it's all a bit trash and like a bit fake and everything. And then Julia's at home. I don't want to say on your own. I don't know that you were, but like you're at home, a bit tipsy and you're like, I'm going to DM this guy on Instagram. I mean, like that's like the reality of, of, how we live in the world is we get a bit tipsy and we say stuff or whatever and then the program itself is like so conditioned to not have any reality like anything that seems remotely real is so constructed that the most real thing that probably happened the whole of that season is like Julia at home has gone I'm gonna send a DM and (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I guess it's also just been this year like haven't had too much to focus on and like my whole I feel like I've become like a lot (laughs) Like, uh, I don't know, I've just been a lot more reckless. Not reckless, what, what am I trying to say? Like, I've been a little bit more active online with, like, writing to people, mm-hmm. like, just commenting on stuff, you know. Like, usually I try to keep it pretty pretty safe because, you know, it's the internet. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, it played into this new funny version of me where I'm just like, I'm going to message this guy, who cares? I'm going to comment on this person's yeah. thing. I'm going to, like, <laughs> yeah. 
And so just from, I always kind of, I always end up asking it, even though it always makes me cringe of being like, how has this influenced your life? But I really am quite interested because like all of your music videos and your music itself is so like not, it's so different from loads of music videos in that like even, you know, the way some videos use like one really long shot or they're quite like slowed down ever so slightly or like in similar settings. So they're not that real kind of like pop in your face, like loads going on. So I like never would have imagined that you'd ever like consumed any of this. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but like maybe... I feel like as well, maybe so much of my music and my music videos and the songs I write and everything is is almost like trying to, it's like trying to strip away all of that bullshit that I grew up with. Because I feel like I grew up idolizing pop stars that were so incredibly um, manufactured. I mean, you know, and I'm, it was just a different time in like the early 2000s, like, it, you know, all of the people that we were fed to look up to as our role models were like, I mean, Britney Spears was like my hero when I was a young child and, like, she was openly asked yeah. in multiple interviews, you can see it on YouTube, where people ask her if she's a virgin, you know, and it was that was like mm-hmm. a reasonable question for a young, she was so young, she was like 16, 17, 18 when she was being asked these questions by, like, older male journalists um, and she would just answer so politely, like, yes, I'm still a virgin, you know. It's so like, oh, my God, you don't have to answer that question. That's fucking creepy. Yeah. And so inappropriate. And But that was just totally – when I, if I had watched that when I was younger, I probably would have been like, okay, yeah, I guess that's reasonable, you know. And I've just seen yeah. how <laughs> so a lot of this, I, these ideas of, you know, what makes a musician and what makes an artist – um yeah I just felt like when I first that really impressionable age it just felt like it had it it had to be so like shiny and perfect and um and and you just yeah like no one was outspoken like the pop stars and the artists that I was fed when I was younger they weren't like they were not political in any capacity like feminism was like a very dirty word you would never say you were a feminist like um and I think these shows, like, I still watch them because they're this relic of my past maybe of what I thought that becoming a musician would be about and how it would work. And I've, and I've realised, like, in my 20s when I've actually gone into the industry, it's like, oh, it looks absolutely nothing like that at all and it mm. doesn't have to look like that. And, yeah, but I still think I'm, I I feel like I'm quite reserved in some things because of maybe because of, you know, trying to shake off, like, that upbringing in music, but who knows. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm, I'm definitely trying to just constantly, like, strip away that kind of stuff. But, yeah, so maybe that's what makes me so mad about, like, watching The Voice now where I'm, where I'm just like, no, this is not what it's about anymore. Mm-hmm. And just as, like, a bit of a round-up question, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily about your obsession, but just more about, like, having a negative obsession because no one's really done it where they're like, <laughs> yeah, I think it's really, like, bad for my life. Because <laughs> I, yeah. I definitely get obsessed with stuff that I think is weird, like, 
once recently randomly I got back into the strokes I don't know I, I think I, <laughs> I remember it was a few months ago I don't know where this is going but I wrote a riff and then one of the lads in the band practice was like oh that sounds a bit like the strokes and then all of a sudden I'm like in beer gardens trying to convince everyone to talk about the strokes and they're kind of like <laughs> people get on board with it and they're like oh I remember when I first heard the album like I didn't even realize because they when they came out, I was in like a small town near the city where I live. I didn't even realize that their first album was like a big deal. I thought like it was so niche that I knew it. But <laughs> <laughs> you just like realize these things. But it was definitely like a bit of a weird obsession, like so random, weird to get back into strokes. Anyway, um, yeah. So I I don't know how I don't know what question to ask. I don't know if you've got anything I only, but I kind of want to know about like how to deal with a negative obsession or like how how do you be okay with it or like the funny side of it I don't know well see I always think that like I don't know it's not a question either but <laughs> sorry I kind of think negative obsessions I don't know obviously you can get fixated on them in a super like unhealthy way but I also enjoy having kind of negative fixations on things because I I think they help you build the opposing worldview if that makes sense like if you know enough about what you don't like then it helps you become or be or think about stuff you do like in some weird roundabout way I don't know yeah and I think it is definitely a negative obsession because yeah it doesn't make me feel good like it definitely like raises my heart rate in a negative (laughs) way um (laughs) I guess guess it has shaped like my it made it's made me realize like how passionate I am about music and about and about like uh not necessarily music but just trying to dismantle this like this thing we have over the industry of the music industry where it's just it's this kind of like mythical magical thing that's like so impenetrable because that's how it felt like to me and it's just I mean it is but there's so many things that we can do ourselves now like so many things that we can access and we we don't need this validation from this like industry that is kind of like not really willing to change that much it's still controlled by you know, the same people have been controlling for the last 20 years. So I think that that's been a positive thing. Um, yeah, and I think that, like, I I hope to, like, die a passionate person, you know. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I hope that as my life progresses, I will always be very passionate about something. Because I've definitely seen, you know, as you get a bit older and you see – people's kind of passion fade a little bit you know they just mm-hmm. and I yeah. you know if anything like whether that's positive or negative just like even though this is quite a negative obsession I think it's still good to like just keep your passion for whatever like and I enjoy the fact that sometimes I can just rant on about this thing because it's like because it, it makes me feel something and I think that's a positive thing I think we you know I, I enjoy feeling strong feelings and mm-hmm. if that sometimes dips in the negative place like I'm still I'm still happy that like I am just like a very passionate person regardless of like where I am channeling that energy at any point you know that was great what were you going to say before you're going to give the whole episode away before the episode? I like that she talks about an obsession as something that's like negatively consuming it because <laughs> sometimes they get a bit heavy, don't they? Big mood, big bloody mood. Yeah, I really enjoyed that, especially as I'm watching 
more and more shit TV. Also more and more competitions, but not singing competitions. But I am really enjoying, this is what I was going to say for my obsession this week, I'm really enjoying the Great British Pottery Throwdown. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing. They did like a Dolly Parton themed episode and one of the girls in the Dollhouse group chat sent a disgustingly perverse video like tiktok of the head judge like making his pot but it was like all sexually edited and i can't ever get it out of my head now i'm like oh, oh god no. no i fancy this old man don't i anyway <laughs> second of all the um great what's it called interior design masters on bbc great so two great television recommendations oh, yeah. from me there we're gonna turn this podcast into like i only talk about tv and me saying no nah, i haven't seen it you know <laughs> yeah true speaking of telly actually my obsession this week on a mad one i was like i haven't really done anything except work and then basically my sister was like raving about modern family and i thought i'll watch it it's something to talk to her about and i have blazed. oh my god i have an amazing story about modern family what i went to karaoke with the kids what <laughs> you know claire and phil's son yeah luke yeah i went karaoke with him like two years ago wow <laughs> it was really funny it was very weird my friend matched with him on raya you know, the dating app for like celebrities and influencers. And then she, he came to London and he was like, will you show me around? And she was like, yeah. And then we went to like a karaoke bar in Soho and it was actually really depressing because he's quite young. Like he was over 18, obviously. I'm not a freak. Like I'm not hanging around with children. I don't know how old he actually was, but like he, he didn't know any of the songs. Like he didn't know no scrubs. He didn't know he, he didn't really know anything apart from Ed Sheeran. But anyway, that is my modern family story. Well, thank you so much. Um, I hope it doesn't ruin the show for me. I, I can't imagine it's going to. I was like, <laughs> he did ask me to take him to Shrek World the day after, but I did not. Oh, okay then. <laughs> On that note, it's been great chatting with you, Ione. Always pulling something out the bag. <laughs> we'll see you on Thursday. And thank see you, you Thursday. to all of the listeners. And thank you to you, Olivia. Thank you to you, Ione. Thank you to Julia. And thank you to Gina, Gina, Carlin, Charlotte, Camille, Eden. I think that's it. Belter. See you Thursday. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? 
And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover.